This is the Humans of Gaming Podcast, an open and honest conversation about games, life, and belief. Hello, I'm your host, Drew Dixon. I'm the editor-in-chief, and I'm joined by always, by, as always, by our <laughs> most prolific writer, M. Joshua Culler. Hey, M. Joshua, how Hi. are you? I am super good. I'm, I'm glad gonna, to be here. For the sake of our guest, I, just, I always call you M. Joshua, but for the sake of oh, our yeah, guest, just Josh. I'm going to call works. you Josh. Josh or yeah. Joshua. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Josh squared that away. It's faster. Yeah. yeah. Less syllables. So we have a really cool guest on the podcast um, today, yeah. and that is Rand Miller. Hey, Rand, how are you? I'm um, great. You guys, uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. Awesome. And so, Rand, uh, people will know you, of course, um, from Mist and Riven. Uh, you uh, c- kind of co. I guess we're the co-creators of those games with your brother. Uh, and then, uh, of course, your recent release is Abduction, which uh, has been a game that's gotten a lot of buzz this year as well. So, um, so yeah, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, about yourself, kind of where you grew up and, and, um, and what that was like. Yeah. Uh, well, let's see here. There's, there's, oh, man, this could go along. I'll summarize. Yeah, just give <laughs> us the cliff notes. <laughs> yeah, I... You know, when when I got into computers, it was and and computer games in particular, it was before you could have them in your house. So, yeah. um, you know, you've I been, you've been making games since before since I've been playing games, which is a really dang long time. Like, yeah, geez. it is. <laughs> like, I think your first credits that I was looking up says that you started making your first commercial release in '87. Is that accurate? That's the first one with, uh, yeah, with this company, Cyan. So, yeah, yeah, that, but even before then, like back in the 70s, I was writing games for time sharing machines. And, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. I was, uh, w- we lived, I think um, my junior high and high school years were in Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh-huh. and we lived in a spot where it was close to the University of New Mexico, and I could go essentially steal time on their mainframes by getting passwords out of trash cans. And, <laughs> and, and I did. And, uh, yeah. awesome. so that's that's where I got started. My, my tainted past of stealing passwords. Yeah. Oh man. That's so cool. <laughs> Do you still uh, steal passwords? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I tend not to throw mine away either. Just, you know, it's so nobody will steal mine. Oh, yeah, I know. It's the thing we got to think about these days. Uh, yeah, it, it was funny back then. It was it was a huge computer center. You can imagine, I mean, you know, like almost those stereotypical computer centers you see back in the day with lots of people in it. And there was just, it, it was just like basically teletype machines printing out paper. And so when you type in your mm-hmm. password, just print it out. And then people who weren't very savvy of these things would just rip off their pages throw them in the trash later and it was very handy for a junior high kid like me <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's hilarious well um so I, I from what i've you know read about you in our conversations in the in the past you have uh you grew up in the church is that right i did yeah so so stealing passwords to play computer games is my is my technical background my <laughs> personal <laughs> My personal and uh, or more personal background is, yeah, my dad's a, f- a preacher, and uh-huh. so 
yeah, we, I ended up in, um, in Dallas at a really young age cause he was going to seminary at the time and then kind of have been in the church for a long time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, various, at various phases of my, uh, spiritual evolution. Yeah. So, yep, definitely grew up in the church. Yeah. And, yeah. and so that's something you, you have persisted in, like you're still, still a member of a church, still active. Still yeah. Part yeah. Here. And there's, you know, boy, there's, this could be a long conversation because there's so much, you know, I'm, I'm not young anymore. I don't yeah. feel old, but <laughs> I look in the mirror and there's a guy with gray hair there. It's kind of weird. Um, but yeah, I've been in the church all these years and Oddly enough, um, at this point, my brother actually is is teaching at a church that's like really close to our office here, and uh, and I go to that one. Um, and um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's different from how I was raised, and you know, I've evolved over the years. Yeah, and I've let go of a few things and changed a few things. Can you, as, can you, you know, give a few examples of that? Oh my gosh. Um, just, just one or two. Yeah, we can, we can dive right in. Well, um, yeah, I'll start off by saying this. My mom, she to this day says, you know, regrets this or denies it or says, you know, what was I thinking? But <laughs> I remember at a very young age, um, her saying, you know, you should never be afraid of the truth. You should always look for the truth. Cause you know, why would you want to be afraid, you know, of yeah. questioning and looking for the truth? And Little did she know that that I would really take that to heart, and <laughs> to, a, to a certain extent, I, I mean, that gives you a little bit of freedom. Um, yeah. Now it's weird. Okay, you guys know. Okay, so you're, um, you know, younger I mean, than that, I. That obviously makes a lot of sense with with your games, considering you're, they're all about seeking and finding the truth. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's so true. I was going to say that in a in a in a weird way, and especially with like you know, missed and now abduction where you don't know anything about those games. The first game yeah. in the series that you play, you really don't know anything. The goal is, well, I feel out of place here. I wonder mm -hmm. how this works. I wonder mm -hmm. what my place is in this story. I wonder what the deeper meaning is. I wonder if I can have an effect here. I mean, all those things that yeah. in some ways. Would you say that that's the, the core, the core pitch, the core idea of abduction in particular? Um, yeah, I mean, I, in a lot of ways, I think what drives you is the same thing that drives you in life or should. Uh -huh. I mean, I feel like if you in life, if you stop asking those questions or, you know, and I don't want to insult anybody, but if you feel like you got it all figured out, maybe you should take another look because <laughs> it feels like things are more complicated than that, that yeah. mm -hmm. then just because you may have been raised a certain way or heard things a certain way or feel very comfortable in a certain way doesn't mean that you shouldn't stay open and consider, you know, other aspects of things. And I'm and yeah. that way in the games. And I think it honestly, it serves you well in life too. And so how has that, how did that affect uh, your, your faith journey in terms of rela your relationship to your mom and, and uh, her, you, you, the, surprised to her of how you've taken that <laughs> run run with that well you know as much as it seems and she would say well okay so there you know there's concrete examples and then there's uh -huh. there's some interesting aspects of my journey um let me let me just give you some other s summaries of my journey that i think are sure, are sure go for it um 
there's a lot of people, I think, who grew up in the church who start to see things that may not that, that they were they were taught one way and then and then life may throw some things at them that tend to or at least from somebody's opinion counteract those ideas sure, and they sure. think that those the things they were taught then are so integrated with truth absolute truth that that, that then it's all wrong and they throw out yeah, the there's no the pliability term. there yeah i love the term baby with the bathwater because it feels like a lot of people are throwing away a lot of religious background, especially, you know, from maybe uh, Christianity, yeah. they're throwing the baby in the bathwater away. And I got to admit, I have a son now, so I know that how dirty baby bathwater can get <laughs> and how, like, <laughs> it's really thing. important that, you know, if your son does something in the bathtub that you should throw that water away, but definitely not the baby. <laughs> That's right. I don't want to grab hold of the baby's arm and make sure he doesn't go down the drain. It is a, can be important. Um, so... You know, here's one example. This is, you know, mm -hmm. more depending on how conservative your upbringings were. This one will be more or less controversial. But mm -hmm. I was I was brought up with a, you know, the seven day creation that that was literal, yeah. and yeah. that um, and it was, you know, there were there weren't any other options, and that that uh, the age was kind of built in when God it made wasn't written by Hebrews who have a different definition of day and night and that sort of thing. And if right. you, and so, if you compromise on that, you're, that's just a stepping stone to compromising on every other doctrine in the Bible. Yeah, exactly. I've, right. I've, seen, I've seen these diagrams that has, you know, <laughs> a creation at the bottom of this, of this thing that if it crumbles, then everything crumbles. And up above it is stuff like, you know, marriage and relationships. And, and I remember thinking, wait, that seems not exactly right, you know, that <laughs> yeah, everything yeah. is based on that. But um, anyway, through the course of, you know, my life, uh -huh. and I'm a slow learner, but it, it, you know, I tend not to believe that anymore. And I know that there's, you know, old earth. And, um, you know, I, I, I remember hearing Hugh Ross for the first time, which was interesting. He's kind of a guy who is who first espoused that Oh well, this could be still you know thirteen billion years, and and like you said, you know the the time frames were different, and it doesn't have to be a literal day. And I thought, well, that's yeah. kind of cool. And I think I've loosened up even more where I'm not I am not uh, afraid in any way of evolution as a process, and I kind of uh -huh. um, am amazed by it, to be honest with you. And I yeah. and I also am. It's hard to study biology, especially like uh, small ecosystems, without seeing change in in uh, biomes over time. Right, right, and I, and I know that there's micro and macro, and I understand, you know, the the arguments of irreducible complexity, and I understand <laughs> everybody's <laughs> comments on all those things, and I've sure. read every, you know, I've read Richard Dawkins, and I've yeah. read, um, um, you know, Christian support of of anti-evolution. And then when it comes down to it, you know, I, to be honest with you, I'm, you know, I think evolution is a great process. And if I was going to build the world the way it is, I think evolution is an incredible, uh, you know, uh, system for mm -hmm. making things happen. It explains a lot of things that I may not have been able to explain otherwise. And so that, you know, the discussion with my mom is more of, of her saying now, um, 
oh my goodness, I don't know, you know, you're searching for truth. I don't think I gave you that. And it's like, well, mom, you did. And I, you know, I'm going to believe a little bit differently than you. <laughs> and sure. luckily though, mom, I don't think I've thrown out the baby with the bathwater, maybe because you told me that, you know, I could seek truth and you gave me that kind of freedom, mm. which is you know, not a bad thing. I'm not sure she sees mm. it that way when, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's one example. And I, you know, I, I, kind of dig the fact that I'm not in some ways hemmed in by that now. In yeah. fact, I look, at, I look at whether somebody believes in, in literal creation or, or evolution. And I think, well, I'm, I'm, if you're, if you're really going to battle on that, if you're really going to lock down and, and say that that is a core component, then I think you may be missing some bigger points in some other areas. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, if I if I can change a little bit of gear, I want to come back to this general kind of thought and what has changed with you in your formation. But I want to ask specifically about um, about success. Uh, so you've you've had uh, some games that are extremely well known and some that aren't so well known. Um, and I want and, and I don't want to ask so much about um, the ones that are lesser known as much as I heard a statistic that Mist was the mo- the highest selling PC game. Up until The Sims came around in two thousand and one, two thousand two, or when it, what, what year that was, is, is, does that sound accurate to you? Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. It was up on the top of the charts for a long time. Much so to our how did you surprise. how did yeah. you process that experience? The, the 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 extreme financial success of the game, and and having a studio that has a breakout hit like that. It's really weird. It's really really weird. Um, I grew up fairly. Uh, you know, I guess we'd call it poor now. I didn't think yeah, it was yeah. poor then. Middle I mean, class poor. Yeah, I mean, and probably people would look at it as a little below. I mean, when, when we yeah. were in um, when we were in Dallas, and my dad was in seminary, we lived in a single wide trailer in Dallas, and uh-huh. um, you know, we didn't have leftovers <laughs> when we <laughs> after dinner. It was three. It was four boys, and uh, the you know. We we didn't go hungry, but we weren't, you know. I don't remember being really full. Yeah. Um, so so we we cherished what we had, and so it was really weird when Miss started taking off, and yeah. and suddenly your mind starts to change in weird ways that aren't that aren't healthy. They are not mm. healthy, and they're really weird. Um, like what? I rem- I remember one time in particular. Mm-hmm. So, by the way, this, it was really weird because we didn't take a lot of money out of the company for a long time. We just thought, oh, well, you know, the company has money and you use that mm-hmm. to do more stuff, but you don't get it. And so, you know, we still lived really conservatively and modestly. Did for it a didn't month. have any leftovers? Yeah, we did have <laughs> leftovers. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I do remember after Miss. You know, I actually bought the first new car I ever bought, which was kind of cool. But then after a while, you know, we started taking more out. And I remember having, you know, essentially a million dollars in the bank or more, you know, a couple million even. And Mm -hmm. that is, that's weird. And it's not weird. First of all, there's the abstract weird where it's like, yep, I've got that. I don't know what I'm going to do with it because I really haven't changed as a person, but it's sitting there. Mm -hmm. And then it's the yeah. part that starts to change you in weird ways. And I remember, mm. this is going to seem really, really weird, but I remember being in a hardware store once and 
now remember, I've been shaped my whole life to be, you know, be careful with your money, be, be frugal, you know, yeah. be frugal, yeah, yeah. you know, just buy things. And here I am in the hardware store, and suddenly I find myself thinking, oh, I should just like buy all the power tools here. I, I can <laughs> and it, it's like something switched in my brain saying, you don't really have to think about what you want to buy or be frugal. You have enough money where you could just buy all this and have it and stick it in your house. And then if you ever need it, you could use it. Yeah. And that was, it was a weird thing. It sounds so trivial, but it was mm. a weird mindset that was a bit disconcerting uh-huh. to me. Like, yeah. this doesn't feel right. This sound, and- this feels like it's, it's, it's a security level that's not healthy somehow. Yeah. You know? And that was connected to your, your faith upbringing, I, I imagine. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's faith or habit or or what, but I I hope some of it was faith. You know, I mean, faith is the part of me that I would like to say more of like, instead of wanting to spend on power tools, would have said, well, why don't you just give a lot of this away? That's Mm -hmm. the part that is kind of interesting and hard and easy and weird when you have money as well. We can touch on that. Mm -hmm. Um, But this was more of like, you know, neural neural pathways started to change in ways that oh yeah feel healthy. There's something about being slightly insecure. As much as this is going to seem weird, because you know most people are. Most people are yeah. like, wow, I wish I could do that. Or no, you don't really. It's not. It's not healthy. And I'm I'm back at that state now. Mm. You know, I don't I don't have. I can't retire now. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. But I still have more money than most people. But it's there's something about a little bit of insecurity that hmm. it's a healthy thing for people, and it's hard to explain. But um, hmm. yeah, yeah, it's a- it's actually a, a pretty common. What you're describing, I think, is somewhat common experience for people in game development. Um, like not not obviously. I think most people who get into game development fail. We should say that, right? Um, right. Which yeah. is a sad reality of our industry as well, because there's a lot of great games out there that just never get played. But the ones that do have breakout hits, um, <clears throat> you know, and people end up going, you know, especially if you're an indie developer who has a breakout hit, because you go from like having nothing and pouring all Living your savings into a game, super noodles, right? And then yeah. all of a sudden being uh, being like a millionaire. And that's a jar. I, I mean, I've never experienced that, but from the developers I've talked to, that's a jarring, like, um, social experiment of sorts. That yeah. That you know, I think a lot of us like, and in the church, especially, like, we can be really um, almost kind of like, uh, you know, holier than thou. I guess is the best way to put it. When when it comes to that kind of thing, we're like, oh, well, if you get, if I ever get a lot of money, I'll just be super generous. But then, you've right, never, right. but then if you've never had that experience, you know, you, yeah. it's really it's hard. hard to actually speak to. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I remember I had a pastor uh, once tell this story, and I'm sure every pastor's probably told this, but it was, it was. He he said, uh, he said, yeah, he, he had a business friend who called him and wanted to go out to lunch. So he went out to lunch with him, and the business friend said, "Hey, look, I'm I'm getting started in this business. It's this big thing. It's a really big deal, and I just want you to know that um, if I hit it big." I'm going to give a large portion of this, you know, like a percentage, like a 10% thing of what comes into this business. I'm going to give it to the church. And the pastor said, he asked him, well, do you give 10% of, you know, what you make now to the church? And the guy said, no. And the pastor said, well, 
I doubt seriously that you'll give that you'll have to And as funny as that is and how we all go, oh, well, that's not true. No, that totally is true. That yeah. really does hit home because you feel like, oh, if I had a million, you know, then, oh, well, that's then, then, I, then I'd have enough. Yeah, right. But but suddenly if you have a million, your sense of value skews in weird ways where um, where you could easily give a hundred, but then somehow in your mind, well, that's not really valuable because I have a million. So a hundred is really not enough. I need to find something I can give more to. And you miss small opportunities. And at the same time, then you're so busy looking for where to put the big money that you end up just not doing it. What, you know, where am I going to put yeah. 10% of a million? Who, who's the lucky person who's going to get that? <laughs> and then, you know, you're so busy filtering through that you end up just not doing anything and you miss a guy on the street who's going hungry because you didn't give him 10 bucks and you don't ever give your hundred thousand because it's so hard to find you know somebody who who you should give that to and so it it just it it stagnates you and it's a really weird weird uh phenomenon yeah um i i I, the reason why the reason why i wanted to ask about uh success in general is because for me um i'm i'm just starting out my business i'm just not starting it, but I mean, I've been I've been doing it for about two years now, and I I I like I process success way more negatively than I thought that I would. Like I I just thought that it would be this uh, sweet. I just got this project; it got a ton of attention. It's you know this trailer is going everywhere and blah blah blah. And it's like when that happens, I'm like, oh now what? It's like this this like weird depression sets in, and I'm wondering <laughs> if if that was something that that you had faced. Um, and I'm wondering like how you've managed to go from this this extreme success of of missed to uh, to other successes, but also still being able to stay around even after you know the disorientation of success. Well, I mean, if there's one thing that is that is probably abnormal with my story, it's it's the it's the extreme amount of success of missed. I mean, you know, that just doesn't happen to people that they get a best selling game and it's you know it, it's the number one seller of whatever for for a while. That's just weird. And so I remember thinking, and this is probably, this has helped me stay healthy to a certain extent. I remember thinking, okay, well, I, I mean, I don't know how you top this and I really don't care if I do, I shouldn't expect to, I'm going to, I'm going to try and do some fun stuff and see and see what I can do and, and build some more cool things, but I should just be happy now. I mean, I kind of got something really cool here that happened and mm-hmm. may not happen again. So, yeah. so I had that going. I felt like I got to the top quick enough where it felt like, well, if it's all downhill from here, at least you got to, you got <laughs> there at some point. So, so yeah. my story is probably a little bit different than, you know, what most people would experience where, but it, it, but it did take years to get up there. I mean, most people think, oh, they did missed and, and it was an overnight success, but really it was more like, you know, 15 years, some of which included companies we were working with going bankrupt and not sending us any money and some of it living at my parents and some of it, you know, getting food stamps and, you know, mm-hmm. so it was before, before a, the breakout success or, or, or after? No, uh, before the breakout. Yeah. Yeah. Success. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, was, it was, you know, we, I worked at a bank, making. but, but after we started doing games, you know, full time, there were, I mean, it was just so many crazy things happened that um, we just kept picking ourselves up by our bootstraps and saying, well, let's try again. Let's try again. And, and uh, you know, that's so super that, important. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I remember yeah, as soon as like indie game the movie came out, everyone's like, "Oh, these guys, this Edmund McMillan guy, he just made this Super Meat Boy game and he just became a millionaire." <laughs> and that's yeah. far from the truth. He was making games far. for like 10, 15 years before that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's far from the truth. And I'll tell you, one of the keys to success is failure. If you think, if 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 you don't expect to fail and have mm-hmm. a plan for, well, if I fail, you know, I'll do this, or if this mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, I'll try and do this, then. I mean, then you're just going to get depressed because you will fail. And mm-hmm. failure is part of life. And I mean, it's just what happens. And you've got to learn from it. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's like, you know, getting the answer wrong on a test. If you if that crushes you, well, then I don't think you've learned anything, you know. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, <laughs> if you get it wrong and then go, well, wait, what is the answer? Well, then you may have learned something. Yeah. Um, yeah. But here, well, here's another thing. And this probably flies in the face, face of uh of traditional Christianity as well. I, I look at that success and, you know, there, it's easy for the, for the world at large to attribute that to, oh, well, you know, Robin and Rand, my brother and I, oh, they're smart and they did work. And, and so, you know, they, they, they were successful. And, you know, to a certain extent, I think probably I, I thought that, you know, we worked hard, we, we, climbed up this mountain and we yeah. made it at, mm-hmm. at the beginning. I think I thought that, well, the other way is to think, Oh, well, God blessed them and God did this for them. And yeah, whatever reason, um, honestly, I don't think now in my old gray haired age, <laughs> I don't think either one of those is true. I think that life is full of randomness and chaos. And from what I can see of things happening, you know, it's similar, frankly, to, um, to, I don't know the way it's been since, you know, some of the Psalms I read where it's like, you know, how come, uh, good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. And the only way I look at that is because random stuff happens and it's not that we're geniuses and it's not that we always manage to make these, these incredibly perfect decisions. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of chance. There's a lot of smart people who've done a lot of amazing things and never, never got recognition or. It's, or it seems like a lot of it's like the right place at the right time too. Because I mean, yeah. like, there's so many games out there that are doing some amazing, amazing things, but because the market's so saturated, there's not. They, yeah. they, they can't stand out. They're, sure. You know. Yeah. And, it, and that's that. I think that's one of the things I remember hearing the story about Google wanting to sell to Yahoo for a million bucks early on <laughs> in their in their history and Yahoo yeah. took them down. Yahoo saying, nah, you're probably not worth <laughs> mm. that. I'm thinking to myself, well, <laughs> there's a lot of lessons to be learned here, but the yeah. number one lesson is that the the guys who started Google didn't have a clue how much they were worth or mm. what yeah. where they were going. And in and in essence they essentially lucked out by the fact that Yahoo turned them down. So to think yeah. that they're geniuses, it's like, no, you know, <laughs> kind yeah. of the 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 chaos of this life kind of rolled in your direction in that particular case. So yeah, I, 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 I think I think what you're it. saying does kind of play into one of the truths of like a traditional like Christian worldview. Because well, and I think we can we can so think about the sovereignty or the grace of God as this um, you know meticulous thing, which it is. Like I, I well, at least I think that God is meticulously sovereign, like he's, you know, in control over all things, but that doesn't change the fact that we do live in like a frustrating, broken system, right? Where people aren't 
one of the realities I think you have to kind of accept, uh, or I, I struggle to accept as a Christian, is that reality that like things are not going to go well, uh, right. or or like I'm not going to be justly rewarded for my diligence uh, right. all the time, right? right? Like, yes. um, and it may or may not have something to do with my effort or, or my my uh, you know my my ideals or or. Or, or my uh, my values, you know, I may have yeah. all those things right, or I may have them completely wrong, and that's the challenge of faith, I think, to some degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, the sovereignty of God's a, a really interesting one to me because you know, I'm, I obviously I was raised with that, and it means different things. Can you can you define that for yourself, Rand? Because I, I think that for our listeners, that's something that we need to know. Because I, I I don't even always know what someone's talking about when they say that. Yeah, no, that's that's good. Um, for me, there's different levels of this because I've heard it in many different ways. But let, let's just take the extreme case is that God is in control. I mean, it's, it's just a yeah. simple way of saying that, that basically he is in control of everything. And yeah. that one is really interesting to me um, because I am definitely not a uh, – uh, deterministic kind of, mm-hmm. I don't have a deterministic attitude. I, I'm not a predestination guy. I have, you know, I was raised that way and, and didn't have any problem with it at first, but now I start to look at things and, and granted I may be looking at things in a simple way, but it feels like the older I get, the more I, I, I want to feel that way. And I, I look at, um, at things that people say God is in control. And I say, well, I, I don't know if I, think God's in control of that. And, hmm. and I can't say why I think he isn't, but, but I see aspects of the world around me that I think, well, I will, all I want to know is that God weeps with me at some of these things. And, yeah. and, and I would love, it's reassuring in some ways for me, and this is going to sound really weird. And Go for it. It's not that I want to insult anybody, but it's reassuring to me sometimes if I think God's not in control. Because yeah. when some things happen, and some things I understand are bigger than me, and I don't know, you know, it's possible that, that you know, God has this outlook of time and knows the future and all those things that you know, that are very traditional Christian um, sure. doctrinal things that, 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 you know, whatever. But, but I'll tell you, there are some things some amounts of suffering that people go through that it's re- it, it's very reassuring to me for me to think that God's not in control and that he's saying, look, I, this is out of my control and I'm weeping here for what's happening and I want you to help here as best you can. Yeah. And that both inspires me to do something rather than just pray, God help that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes me think, okay, I can't blame God, you know, um, for certain things either, you know. So yeah. anyway, yeah, we could go down that rabbit hole quite a that's, bit. That's that's actually really valuable considering um, the the nature of, of game design is so much about agency. Like uh, this year, we played uh, we played inside. Um, uh, I believe Drew and I, Drew, you you played inside, right? No, I haven't gotten to oh, it. Okay, okay, maybe it was just me then. Uh, Rand, did you play inside? No, I didn't. Okay, so in, inside deals with this question of like very much about control um, in terms of very early in the game, there's this moment where you have to, you're being chased by things and you have to jump and there's nothing, no evidence that what you're jumping into is safe. You just have all these things coming after you. And so you have to trust the game designer at that point to jump. 
And and so it's constantly doing a lot of these kind of like trust fall experiences where it's causing you to trust that whoever made this experience ultimately has your back. Right. And, and, and yeah. it does something very interesting with that towards the end. Um, but uh, that, that makes me think a lot about your games and a lot about game design in general, this, this aspect of we have to trust the creator of this experience to some degree. And when you're making a game, you have this big question of like, well, I don't know that I trust myself to make this right. So uh, it's weird because it's kind of like playing God. Um, yeah. And, it, yeah. and you well, made a uh, mist. And I, I, I can't say that I, I have, to, I have to admit I've cheated. I've read the wiki and stuff like that, the story. <laughs> um, and so we're dealing with a 20, a 20 plus year old game, which that's awesome by the way. Um, but uh, so spoilers, there's this, there's worlds within worlds and you're dealing with a subject of actually like going into worlds and generating those worlds and essentially like characters in the game playing God, right? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the kind of the story behind the simple part of the, the game itself is is you know, fairly sli- simple, but the the narrative behind it is that there was this there was these people that mm-hmm. essentially had the ability to write books that would go to other worlds, and mm-hmm. and it was a, you know yeah, so it was a godlike power, and in a lot of ways, it was reflective of what we were doing as game designers as well. Yeah. Um, you know, we were writing worlds and letting people explore them. Yeah. Um, and it, it, but, I mean, the whole thing in my mind, I mean, I look at all of life very much from a game designer perspective, obviously, because yeah. it's my filter. It's <laughs> yeah. I've done for so mm-hmm. long. And I keep thinking logically that way. I probably do this to a fault, you know, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think of I, I, everything is a layer down. I mean, from and I, 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 I'm seriously have written already started writing a book uh, about this, you know, where it's where where essentially we're God and the game is the creation and um, going into some pretty in-depth, interesting stuff in it. Mm, yeah. But it makes me think of God in, on a human kind of in a human way for better or worse. Yeah. Um, but I like it that way. Um, I'm real satisfied with that. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's intriguing. I remember doing the massively, uh, multiplayer game we were doing like Mist online. Uh-huh. And there were so many weird parallels with, uh, it was, it was just the weirdest thing. Cause we were building this game and yet we were making modes where we could watch people and they could have, they could do what they wanted really. I mean, they, they uh-huh. had freedom we couldn't control it and but there were limits to what they could do and it it just messes with your head like wow this is a lot like Hmm. life um yeah in weird ways so yeah well it's interesting what you said about like finding some sense of comfort in god not being in in the idea of god not being in control um because you know we're it's we're recording this anyway uh in the early days of December. And so it's that time mm-hmm. of year when we start thinking about um about Christmas, about the incarnation, about about advent, um which is this idea that that um I don't know that it's about God not being in control, but it's certainly in the it's certainly about God um wanting him to show up so that what's not right will be made right. Yeah. yeah. It's about right. it's about God caring about our broken lives. Um, right, and right. About, but, and about and, what's wrong. Yeah. 
You know? No, it's true. And, and the way he... So, so even going back to the Old Testament, which, you know, I, I, you know again, in my, in my evolution, maybe away from literal, in, for literal interpretation of certain things, I, I don't, at this point in life, think that it's that if, that those that this the, the truth of those stories that's important. It's the truth that I get out of them that inspires me that is more important. But mm-hmm. but if I look at if I look at those things, it seems like to me that that the that the truth that comes out of a lot of the Old Testament is God's mind was changeable and God had to redo things and God was always trying to inject things to try and. Yeah, like when Abraham is trying to get God to, uh, you know, go back to uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, whether or not there was a righteous person there. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the there, there's a conversation out. there. There's not like a, this is what's going to happen. And, and that <laughs> same scenario happens with Moses. Same thing happens with David. Happens same, with many. Happens, even with uh, with Noah. I mean, imagine yeah. you, you build this thing and then all of a sudden it, it kind of goes upside down well a sovereign god would have known that would have happened and then had to destroy all those people in the flood and it's like well okay that implies to me that at least the some of the truth there could be that well stuff happens and yeah um anyway uh yeah so i'm i'm very comfortable in that from a mm-hmm. from a you know biblical perspective and i don't think it's it's that heretical in any way yeah. um you know it doesn't fit with my upbringing but i'm i'm okay with that <laughs> yeah well your your up, your upbringing seems to be a lot more oriented these days towards um being in in the game development world and and there that just obviously changes the way that you you see reality in a lot of ways um can can you think of particular ways that your uh spiritual formation has shifted because of game design uh besides the ones that we've already talked about but it can, are there other particular ways that you can think of oh let's see here i i know that um it, it, these probably aren't specific from game design but i know that part of game design is it, it's always influenced by exploring like even mm-hmm. uh l- l- well this in, in particular we brought this up the idea that these people write books and mm-hmm. that it takes them to other places that all <laughs> kind of comes out of this interest in you know, quantum mechanics and how the how there seems to be multiple uh, uh, pathways, um, yeah. probability waves um, as you go forward. And we don't want to go into all that, but yeah, I remember in misthinking, you know, as we were going down some of those paths, thinking how awesome of a system that is from a, you know, if I was building worlds, the whole yeah. the whole idea that I'm going to build a well, well, I'll give you the parallel. Uh-huh. the 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 quantum nature of reality. One of the interpretations is that things aren't real till we look at them. You know, uh-huh. that, that basically, and that's I'm not making that. That sounds like it's some kind of metaphysics and you know weirdness, <laughs> but it's not. That is actually a valid scientific interpretation of of quantum experimentation. Okay. That, hmm. that the moon is, is not there unless somebody looks at it. And the, basically the, the wave function collapses and waves become particles when they're, when there's an observer. Now you can wiggle who an observer is and where that all plays out. But in my mind, those things are perfect. That, that's the perfect way to do an efficient, to build an efficient world. And from a game designer perspective, it's awesome because 
if somebody's not looking at something in a game, I don't want to have to render it. I don't want to put it on a screen. Yeah. It's, it's like an efficient yeah. way to yeah. do things. Um, yeah. So I sometimes, and granted, it, you know, I, I'm in that mindset, and I'm, you know, I'm no doubt I've been skewed down certain directions because I live in that world. But I, I, I look at the quantum nature of the universe, and I think, well, this is a really cool evidence that something planned this, that there's something behind this, that there's more than this, that this, you know, it didn't just start randomly at the big bang, but there's a, there's a process and a goal in mind here. And I, I, I think that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Um, can we ask a few more questions about your, about your personal life? You married, you have family. I do. I've got, um, uh, I have, Three daughters, um, married, and uh-huh. um, I'm actually remarried, divorced and remarried, which is a whole other story. Yeah. And my wife <laughs> also has two daughters, so we are flush with daughters between the two. Of them. Oh wow! So how how has uh, being a, a dad influenced the work that you do? Th- that's what yeah. That's what kind of got us started. I remember getting my first um, computer. Well. I mean, I, I, basically, my first computer, I'd, you, you guys wouldn't even call it a computer, but it was a computer <laughs> to me. But I remember getting, then after that, a, I think it was, um, the Mac, I got my Mac, a Macintosh when they came out. And I remember looking for software for my daughter, who was really young at that time. It was like, okay, I want to get some cool games for her that she could use this mouse and do some stuff. And I remember looking at the games and buying them or trying them and thinking, oh, well, this is crap i mean uh <laughs> if you if yeah. you can't do real games you make kids games because you know people will buy it mm. and that's when i wrote my brother a letter and said we should do something better for kids and and he's a really talented artist and musician and um and he started kind of drawing we had an idea and it basically became our first game and it was a world it wasn't a game it really kind of set our path as we move forward to making places um, more yeah. more As than a world builder. yeah exactly hmm. so what, what, what did what you feel was like was uh, was mi- primarily was mis- was missing in those games that you played that you didn't care for with your children you know it just felt like nobody cared like it, it, they were thrown together um, and it, you know I don't want to say this wrong but different people have different skill sets and sometimes the game looked like it was half done like there was a probably a very talented programmer who did a game but he didn't ever connect with an artist who could kind of fill it out and do yeah. something that made it look good and I'll, I the analogy is to children's books you know when when you get a good children's book it probably has a writer who did one thing and somebody who drew the drew the pictures in it but when the, it's the right combination of those things an adult enjoys reading it just as much as a kid. You know, you, I, yeah. it's those, those, there's certain children's books that you go, oh, yeah, I'll read you that one. Bring it. Yeah, that's great. And there's certain ones you kind of go, ugh, not this one again. Um, <laughs> and it felt like all of the children's games at the time were like, ugh, not this one again. Nobody's put any thought into this one. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of approached it that way. Like, well, we should put a little more thought into it. And it, that was, it was a game called The Manhole. And if you look Man. back now at it, it was it's very simplistic and very trivial, but it definitely stood out a bit at the time, I think, because we 
made a little more effort. Um, it, you know, didn't make us rich, but it set us on our path. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Cool. And so now you have you have many daughters, and that 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 formed your early development days. Uh, do you have any grandkids now? Yes, got um, actually four grandkids, three boys and a girl. And the boys just, I mean, they just want to make games all the time. Oh like, yeah, Grandpa, Grandpa, let's make a game. Let's make a game. <laughs> Oh, you guys don't know what you're getting into. That's funny. Well, I think you know we're all um, we're all natural game designers. Like we're born that way. We it's one of the first things that kids learn to do is to make games with each other. Like, um, and I don't mean like computer games, obviously, but just um, yeah. you know, games on the playground. Uh, yeah, come up with and ways to make the rules more fun for everybody, and that's been one of the funnest things for me as someone who's just fa- like I'm not a game designer, but I write about. I'm a critic, and as a game critic who's just fascinated by game design, is watching my children uh, develop their own rules and and systems and things in the way that they play with each other. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, so yeah. No, it's yeah. it's some it's something inherent in us, and I think it has to do with um, from my point of view. There's a lot of aspects of us as humans that that (laughs) it's this it's the same reason a puppy a a little puppy bites things it's like it's he's practicing things that are part of the genetic makeup that become part of his world later will serve him well later and i think to Mm -hmm. to a weird extent some of those things don't serve us anymore we don't we don't hunt anymore for our food and Mm -hmm. we don't you know, we gather at the supermarket, and our challenges aren't an outsmarting a wildebeest. It's you know, so but we still have those same desires, yeah. and we and and also there's this really cool desire to explore. We always wonder mm-hmm. what's around the next corner, mm-hmm. and whether the next corner, honestly, is a is you know the corner at Disneyland or it's life itself. I mean, there's just yeah. a real strong yeah. pull to to turn that corner and look and see what's there and it pull, it drives us forward whether it's life or games yeah that discovery yeah. element yeah that's um, cool if, if i can ask one one last question for me and if, if drew has any other questions you can ask those but the the, the thing that i really really want to know from you is what what would you say has has kept you around game development how would you sorry how do i frame this um what advice would you have for anybody who wants to stick around for 20, 30 years in game development like you have? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> boy, oh, boy. Well, be prepared to fail and be mm. prepared to um, have to deal with – I mean, you, you – oh, man. The, the, the disappointments and failures we've had, some of them have been, like, massively epic. Like, Can you give an example? Lot, well – the biggest one, I mean, we've had numerous companies go bankrupt right around us or just stop paying us or just yeah. renege. And when you're small, you just kind of have to go with that. I mean, if you're yeah. if you're an uptight person, it's going to make you crazy. Um, so yeah. you should just go to Starbucks and become a barista. Um, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> the biggest one, I think, was we did um, the online version of Mist, and, and we poured everything. I mean, that's where, that's where all of our resources money wise and everything went into and the Uh thought behind it was well if people like exploring worlds this thing called broadband is coming why don't we make something where the worlds never end where you can just keep exploring and every night when you come back something has changed a little and you can do it with a few of your friends. And this was 2002? 
Yeah, this was right after Riven. We kind of started on this, so it was uh-huh. it is it been in development for years, and it was a massive undertaking. We bought mm, another yeah. company to do the three D engine and the online engine, and we um uh it, and it was it was incredible. I, but but what it meant is that we had to also build out content long into the future, and we had to set up staging where okay, we need to have content so that every month. You know, there's something exciting that pulls people back in. And we had two companies that both said, um, yes, we want this. We want this. Both of them very large. Uh-huh. And we we had to make a choice who we were going to go with. And we, we made the choice. And we I remember having a conversation with one of the executives saying, hey, we just want you to give this a try. This is new. Nobody's done this before, this type of entertainment. But if we can run this for a year, let's see what happens. Uh-huh. And they said, sure. And they ended up canceling it before it even launched. Mm. Um, and that was huge because we yeah. had nothing. Left. We had spent everything we had to get us to that point. And we realized at that point that the company didn't really want to do online. They sold all their online stuff. And their intent was just basically to kind of get another game out there and make a little money. We had poured everything into it. We had no reserves. And mm. we had to somehow try and recover from that. And it was, that was tough. And you can't harbor bitterness and you can't, uh, you know, I, you just have to figure, it's, it's problem solving. You got to figure out how to move on. And I, I think, yeah. I mean, I, again, you know, it's probably first world problem. Um, life itself is that way. You know, it yeah. throws yeah. crazy wrenches at you. And if you're just going to collapse in a heap, you're you're not going to do very well. You got to figure out well what's next, what's tomorrow, what do I? And do? so when did that when did that all uh, collide? When did that all come come to uh, I guess failure? Yeah, it was the early 2000s. I'm not sure the exact year. I'm, it's okay. probably well documented in Wikipedia. Sure. Wikipedia <laughs> but, um, yeah, 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 it all happened then, and we we. Yeah, tried to reboot, tried to scrape together what we could. We actually did some stuff for that company because we didn't have any chance we, uh, to do anything else. We we had mm-hmm. the entire year's worth of content that we were going to roll into this online game, and mm-hmm. it was just sitting there. And they said, well, you should make expansion packs for for this game. And we said, well, okay, we have nothing else to do with this, so we will. Some of it for basically free, mm-hmm. but you know, it kept us working. And yeah. uh we, you know, kind of shrunk in size, and then we started getting into the mobile market, which was interesting. Putting Mist on yeah. a phone, which you know, you realize you're living in the future, or that you're old when that happens. <laughs> and, uh, but it yeah. kind of, you know, that was just a breath. It was, it was a, it was a, a, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel when that happened. It's like, okay, well, let's try this, and then we converted other projects, and it gives a little bit of money, and then we. You know, it brought us to the Kickstarter for abduction where where there were some guys who had worked here a while and there were some guys who who were ex-employees who said, we should try something bigger again and we should try this Kickstarter thing to do it. And that led to abduction. So once again, it felt like, you know, the ebb and flow, but we were able to kind of rise from it and get over the failures and try something new and abduction was born so what, what have been what has been some of the biggest successes of, of abduction and I, i've seen some really great press around it but what, what have been some of the highlights of releasing that game for you well it, it was 
in some ways it was nice validation. It's easy to be a one hit wonder, you know, and, yeah. and <laughs> we did, we did mist and riven. It's, it's true, but riven was, you know, basically had a lot of money behind it, all the mm-hmm. mist money in the world behind it. And it was, it was a beautiful thing and it was, a, but it was a sequel. Well, uh-huh. here's a, here's a chance to do a completely new IP, something that's not related to mist. It can't hang on those coattails. It, it's a new storyline, and it's years later, and it's new technology, and we're trying to give people that same feeling they had when they played Mist, which is of truly being in a different place, building a world that felt consistent and complete and immersive and all those same things. Uh-huh. Can, can we do that? This is a different group of people. You know, very few, if, if any of the people were the same, you know, one or two. <laughs> and. Mm-hmm. So it was it was nice to say, you know, let's let's try this again, starting from scratch, starting with a blank sheet of paper and give people that same feeling. And I think the, the best, even, no matter what abduction does, the reviews that came out and said, oh, my gosh, they did it again. I remember this brought me back to those feelings I had when I played Mist and Riven. Those were the most satisfying reviews because it feels like, OK, cool, we we did it. It was a it was a, it was a scrappy <laughs> thing we you know a lot of people think that was a lot of money for what we built it was not a lot of money we had a really yeah. dedicated amount of people and and it just felt good to kind of to Make kind of come together. build something new and fresh yeah man that's mm. awesome that's cool. cool um and i heard that it's a really like thinky game like when that really challenges you to to like think and process all the details around you and i heard that there's even a puzzle that involves math is that true <laughs> well <laughs> Had various puzzles that you need a little bit of math here and there. Um, the one that's an abduction, you can get through it, um, or mostly through it with some trial and error. You just uh-huh. have to understand some aspects of it. I think for the deeper pe- people who want to go a little deeper, there's some cool math to it that that will serve you well and make things make a little more sense. But we tried to make it also that you could kind of stumble your way through it a, with you know with a little Cheese more your difficult. way through yeah 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 but, <laughs> that's how but, i would yeah, pass it <laughs> i button mashed my way through Resident <laughs> Evil, so <laughs> well and, and to be honest with you i mean uh, we do look at our games as if they're real and there's systems behind it i don't know whether this is you know, from me thinking that there's stuff behind every corner this world you know that, that I, I i just find it hard to believe that this is it there's more yeah. than this you know, I mean, I feel like I'm open-minded in thinking there's more than this. And that uh-huh. makes me think that, you know, there's that the interest, intricacies of the systems and things are satisfying and interesting. And I think some of that inspires us to do that same thing in our games. And so, yeah, there's a little bit of thinking that, but it all kind of reveals deeper things. Once you solve something, you it connects the dots and you go, oh my gosh, I didn't uh-huh. realize this. It's this is connected to this, and I see where the story mm. plays in now. And the thing I saw at the beginning that just seemed like it was this random thing at the beginning, now I know what that was. I love uh, that. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, good good gestalt, as they call it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, that's a, that's a good note to end on. I think um, there's a lot of hope in what you just said, which is, uh, you know, what we're trying to celebrate, I think, around this time of year is uh, the idea of hope anyway. Um but that that's a that's a uh, it's been a joy to to talk to you, Rand. Yeah, um, Rand, thank you so much uh, for yeah, enter- entertaining all my questions and and just being a guest on the show and being so open to share your your life. No, this was fun. It felt like it went really fast. I'm sure we could you know <laughs> hour long, multi hour long sessions on all this, you know. But it feels that way with 
a lot of the deeper things in life, you know, they're yeah. kind of worth talking about. It's all part of, you know, individual journeys. So yeah. it's nice mm-hmm. to uh, kind of uh, be able to share the story. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, well, maybe we can have you on again to to dig even deeper. That would be awesome. So yeah. that'd be fun. Appreciate yeah. it, you guys. Cool. Well, uh, awesome. where can people find you online? Uh, so our company is Cyan, C Y A N, and that's probably the best place to learn about us. Abduction with an O is the latest game, and you know, if you want to explore and and. It's probably the best way to find out about me is play the game. You'll get some insight into my warped personality. Um, <laughs> so yeah, abduction abduction dot com has more details on that. But um, are you are you on Twitter? You are on Twitter, I think. I, right? I am on Twitter. I am um, random tweets. That's R A N D E M tweets. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Ooh, I'm, I'm following uh, you now. <laughs> I'm Drew Dixon 82 on Twitter. Josh, you're M. Joshua. And then, uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you to our listeners. If you enjoyed the podcast, please spread the news, the word, the news, uh, the word on Twitter, Facebook, and especially on iTunes by rating and reviewing us. You can send any feedback or questions about the podcast. And uh, that's it for us. Thanks again, Rand. <laughs>